Good morning, and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond and worship to the goodness of our Creator and our Redeemer. And as we begin our time, I want to uh, welcome all of you who are here in person, but also those who are joining online. Glad that we can be together and united by God's Spirit as we worship Christ. Uh, let's take a moment to look at some announcements. If, if you look at the inside cover of the order, there is information about classes today, but just to make sure you know, there's a nursery is available, there's also a preschool class and children's worship, and also the junior high uh, class is meeting, uh, and I'll dismiss those kids in just, just a moment. Um, but also, if you look over in the back, the announcements, um, that you'll see things that are highlighted in the weekly email, but just want to motion, mention a couple things. One, there is a book discussion coming up. Uh, the One Book, One Chicago um, is a novel called Bedrock Faith, and we'll be discussing that on January 30th in the community space. And also there is an, an art outing uh, that Taylor Worley and Adonijah Tinu are leading. You'll see the information here that's on Saturday, February 5th. Uh, we asked if you could RSVP by letting them know or by the link in the weekly email, that'd be great. So you'll see the information there, the trip downtown to, to the art exhibit, then come back to discuss it. There's one last uh, Wednesday night meeting for discussing Calvin's writings about Jesus as our as our priest, and also the women's Bible study is meeting on Thursday nights, but they're meeting online at this time. So the link is in the weekly email, but if you have questions, you can talk to Aaron Henning about that. One other thing just to mention is just uh, um, we, we do have some needs on Sunday morning, so if you would like to help as a greeter, that would be great. Um, I can tell you more about that, or you can talk to Josh Kuntz, but we do need some more greeters. And also, if you're interested in helping with the sound or live stream team, we'd love to have you join that as well, and Jody can help you uh, know more about that. So please let me know if you're interested, and uh, we can uh, connect you to those opportunities. Well, this time, kids for the preschool class or children's worship and the junior high can head to the back. All those classes are in the basement. Um, the junior high will be with uh, Justin. He's there. He can meet the students and take them down. But all the students can head on down, and those classes will go to the end of the service. Let's take a moment now of quiet as we prepare to come before God and worship. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 19. Will you stand with us and we'll all sing it together. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his word. The heavens declare the today pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge in them he has sent a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat the heavens declare the perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, sweeter also than honey. Almighty God, you have shown us your power. Father, in your grace, you have given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. So God, fill us with your spirit that we can celebrate your glory and worship you in spirit and in truth. Meet us, Lord, in whatever ways we find ourselves this morning. Lord, meet those of us who feel full and vibrant. May we persist in the strength that you provide. And may you, Lord, use our resources, our, our gifts, even uh, our weaknesses, to participate in your kingdom work. Father, we pray that you would also meet those of us who may be wrestling with questions of faith, Meet those of us who are troubled with, with grief and sadness. Meet those of us who endure the ways our relationships are shaken, 
in need of repair and restoration. Meet those of us who are worn down, who are lonely and filled with worry. Father, meet us in these places, these full places and in these difficult spaces with your strength, with your love and tenderness, with your words of invitation calling us home to find our rest in you. God, we know you are the Lord, the true King who is reigning, who's praying for all of us right now. And may we receive and believe your grace and be changed by it. Pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, time to acknowledge with God our sin and our need and to come and to receive his grace and his mercy. We'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? My rights have been disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and increases the strength of the weary. Lord, in our weariness and discouragement, let us remember your word. Even the young shall grow weary, but they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin, knowing that our Savior, Jesus, even though he was rich in glory, became poor for our sake, so that in him alone we might become rich in mercy and grace. So we give thanks and rejoice in his name. Amen. Well, let's stand to hear the words of assurance that come to us in Zephaniah chapter 3. Please join me. Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. In you, O Lord, have I taken let me never be ashamed in your righteousness deliver me and set me free incline your ear to my cry and save me 
Testament lesson for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, unrepres 
unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. In there may be no division of the body, but that the members have may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. Gospel lesson for today comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Bacon family, for reading the scriptures. It's good to be here. And we're going to look at the book of Jonah again as we started the sermon series last week. So we're going to continue looking at part of chapter one of Jonah. But as a way to start, I want to mention an article that I uh, came across recently. Um, and part of what that article asked was, why do we love sad movies, sad stories, sad songs? Why do we love being sad? <laughs> uh, why do we maybe go and enjoy a movie that is heartbreaking? Why do we seek out opportunities to be even scared or disgusted? or feel the weight of the, the world around us. And one aspect of this article put forth the idea that art, art that touches upon difficult experiences, sorrow and loss, that art creates a safe space for us to actually dwell with and look at negative emotions and to consider them in our life. That one way that art can function in our life is to be like a safety net 
that allows us to feel losses or anger or fear, heartbreak, to feel the things that it evokes, allowing us to consider them in a way that seems safer than directly thinking about our own lives. Now, I don't know if that's your experience, if you do like sad songs. I hate scary movies, but I like sad, you know, like sad ones. But I mentioned this idea of art inviting us into such a space, a safety net, because I think the story of Jonah does something similar. A story that's ultimately about God's mercy is like such art, giving us space to explore difficulties. Jonah, this stubborn running prophet who has harsh judgment towards others, who questions whether God knows what's best or questions whether the idea of mercy is really the best way. It gives us space. It gives us a safety net even to consider our own hearts, our own running, our own judgment, our own questioning or our fears or our anger that we feel. Jonah is an opportunity for us to reflect on such things. And so if you haven't, I encourage you to read the book at home. It's, I mentioned this last week, it's only four chapters. Last week we looked at the first three verses in which we hear God call Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh. And we saw Jonah's response of fleeing in the opposite direction, seeking to get away from the Lord's presence. After these verses, we move into the first major scene of the book of the story, and that's Jonah on the great sea. And so we're going to look at our passage today. It's verse 3 through 10. You can follow in your order of worship or your Bible, or just listen as I read. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Well, what I hope that we can see in our passage today is that in God's mercy, God will not let Jonah go. In God's mercy, he will not let Jonah go, that Jonah is unable to flee from the Lord's presence. And we see this in the storm, and we see it in the words of the pagan sailors. 
So let's start with the storm. We see it in the storm. Arise, go to Nineveh, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, a city in the opposite direction of Nineveh, a city that represented kind of the, the unknown, the edges of the world. God says, arise and go, but Jonah does the exact opposite. Called to go east, he goes west. Directed to travel over land, he goes to the sea. Sent to the great city, he sets out for the edge of the world. He does all of this, he says, to get away from the presence of God. But, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. The Lord had taken the first move by calling Jonah, and now he takes the initiative again. Jonah flees, but God won't let him go. He sends a mighty tempest on the waters. Deep within this great wind and storm, God's mercy is at work. It's an expression of God's faithful compassion to Jonah. I invite you to take a moment in your mind to try to picture a stormy sea with a a wooden ship upon it. If we can picture such an image, it, it offers us an image of our journey in this life. Sometimes there is smooth sailing that we chart our path and we go to where we plan to go. But other times there are storms and here the storm highlights our lack of control that there are times when no matter our efforts, no matter our skills, our resources, our plans, we are unable to make things go as we desire. And we see that here, the storm cannot be controlled by seasoned sailors. It cannot be escaped by a bribe, by status, by an argument. Now we experience storms in our life, and it's important to say that it is difficult to discern God's purposes in such trials and difficulties. But here, here we're invited to see something clearly that, that God has initiated this storm. That it is the personal God being active, hurling a great wind. The attention moves from Jonah's plans to get as far away as possible. The attention moves from that to God's control and God's purposes. In this case, the storm is to seize Jonah's attention to convince him that he cannot flee from the Lord's presence. And highlighting our limits, the storm stresses something greatly important for us. Throughout Scripture, and I suggest that our life experience confirms this, throughout Scripture, the emphasis is not upon our strength to hold, but rather it's upon God's strength in holding us. From the beginning of our life, the beginning of our faith, throughout all times, the, the emphasis is not on your strength to hold on to what is true or to hold on to God, but on God's faithfulness to hold you. You see, God's directing Jonah's attention and ours as well in our weariness, in our questions, in our fears. When we don't feel like we want to or can pray, the hope is not in our plans or our strength, but the hope is in the faithful, enduring, steadfast love of our God. 
In John 10, we hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, and I give my people, my sheep, life, true life. They will never perish, and no one can snatch them from my hand. In Philippians, we hear Paul write to a suffering church, I'm sure of this, that he, the Lord, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. And in Hebrews, we hear words about God disciplining those he loves. It's the child that God loves that he disciplines, the child that God embraces and accepts that he corrects. In his mercy to Jonah, God doesn't leave him, but sends a storm. And that storm reveals Jonah's condition and his limits, and it redirects the attention to the God who made him and the God who was strong even in his weakness. So in God's mercy, God will not let Jonah go, and we see this in the storm. We're reminded of his faithful love And we see it in the words spoken by the pagan sailors. Jonah has rejected God's call to go to Nineveh, to go and preach repentance. And we mentioned this last week, that he does this because he believes this group of people do not deserve mercy. They don't deserve a chance to change their ways or ask for help. Whatever calamity comes upon them, they deserve And so now as he flees, Jonah finds himself in the close presence of people who are racially and religiously different from him. And I want us to think again about the image of the boat on the waters. Earlier I said that that image highlights our lack of control, but this image also tells us something else about life. This ship is in this great storm, and it invites us to see that Jonah and these sailors are literally in the same boat. Their lives and their well-being are linked together. For a moment, at least, Jonah is living in the same neighborhood as these others. Think about that in our own experience of seeing our lives connected and linked to those who would be happy to ignore. And that's what Jonah seems to be doing. He makes his way down into the depths of the ship, happy to dismiss and ignore those around him. But they speak to him. They speak to him, and maybe in a great kind of irony and a humor that's hard for us maybe to see, out of their mouth comes a repetition of two key words that God has spoken to Jonah just a little earlier. Out of these pagan sailors' mouths comes the word arise and the word evil. The first one, arise, God's opening message to Jonah, arise and go. Now that same word is being spoken by the captain of the ship, Jonah, arise and call out to your God. Wake up. You can't sleep. You can't hide forever. Rise up. Here is a pagan with God's very words on his mouth, pointing a prophet of Israel back to the God of Israel, using the same words as the Lord to exhort Jonah to pray, to awaken, to see what's happening. And after the captain wakes Jonah, the sailors decide that they should cast lots to see on whose account this evil or this calamity has come upon them. 
I mentioned this last week that this word evil carries the idea not only that you do something wrong, but it carries the idea that you bring consequences upon yourself. Therefore, some translations have it as calamity. This calamity has come upon us, that you've reaped what you sow, that you have consequences for your actions. And it's worth us remembering that Jonah was supposed to go and speak mercy and repentance to the Ninevites because calamity was coming upon them. But he doesn't want to because he's convinced that they should get what they deserve. Now, Jonah is the one facing the storm. The calamity has come upon them all due to his actions. And casting lots was a common way in that time to you know, throw colored stones to either figure out a yes or no answer or to select an individual out of a group. And it's no surprise that the lot falls to Jonah. And the sailors ask him a series of questions, all of them getting at this fundamental question of who are you? Who are you? And Jonah and all of us are to feel the sobering nature of such a question. Who are you? Jonah offers a confession, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And the sailors respond, what have you done? With the idea being, how could you possibly run away from the God who's made both the sea and the land? Jonah, what are you doing? Who are you? Arise, call out to your God. What will you do in the face of this calamity? In these words, Jonah is to hear and we are to see that God's call is still present. That it's still set there before Jonah. That God is inviting him to know his mercy. Do you see this, what's happening, the, the, the irony that these men are repeating the very directions that God had asked Jonah to give to the Ninevites. To invite them to mercy, to invite them that they may live through this calamity. And now he is being posed with the same question, who are you? Arise, call out to your God that this calamity might not fall upon us. Jonah is invited to humility to see that God speaks through all sorts of people, to see that maybe he has more in common with the Ninevites than he thought. And imagine for all of us, there are times when we find ourselves needing a word or needing a question from those around us. Sometimes in a very direct way and sometimes a word that's just spoken that all of a sudden God uses to speak to our hearts inviting us to hear and to receive, and in humility, remember that we are those who need God's mercy, just like all of our neighbors. As a way to close, I just want to mention that Jesus gave this great story in Luke 15 that probably many of us are familiar with. It's the story called The Lost Son, about the son, the younger son, who decides he wants his inheritance now, so he asks his father for his inheritance and leaves to set off to a far land to seek out the good life and fortune. 
But even while the younger son is away from home, even while he's in a far off land, even when he has fled from his father's presence, all that time, even when he was committing sin and immorality, all that time, he was still his father's son. He was still his father's son. For a time, he forgot that truth. But the storms of life touched him, and they are often filled with mercy. And it was through such storms, Jesus says, that this young son, this lost son, came to his senses. He remembered his father, remembered his father's house, and he remembered the answer to the question, who are you? I'm my father's son. God in his mercy through the storm and through these pagan sailors is inviting Jonah to experience and remember the same truth for himself. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your mercy to us and your enduring steadfast love. Let us find rest in it today in Christ. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Almighty God, you have not given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of perseverance and of love. We praise you for your never-ending faithfulness as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as we prepare to come, we're, just a reminder, we're going to be uh, using these prepackaged elements. Does anyone who's planning to take communion need one? Munch can bring one to you. Anyone? Just raise your hand if you need one. Okay. Well, as we prepare to come, it's worth us remembering the, the question that, that was part of our passage, this question of who are you? For this table helps teach us how to answer that question. It teaches us, this table does, not to start that answer by thinking of what we have accomplished or what we can do, what we promise to do, the, the strength of our own hands. In answering the question of who are you, this table invites us to think first of our God. We are those who are made in the image of God, given value in life and God's mercy and grace. We are those who are redeemed in Christ, not because of what we've offered, but because of God's great love for us. And we have hope and confidence for the future, not again because of what we've planned, but because of God's promise, his covenant loyalty, his steadfast, faithful love. I pray that this table would be a, minister to, a ministry to us in remembering the answers to that question, that we may become those who find rest and forgiveness in life and hope in Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, this table is for you to eat and drink and to be ministered to by the Spirit. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, this table is a witness to, to speak to you about that question. Who are you? That God offers an answer that gives life and hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. And we thank you for this bread and cup. We pray that your Spirit would meet us and minister to us. You would strengthen us. Lift our, our drooped heads Strengthen our hands by your mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, if you're participating in communion and you haven't done so already, you can prepare, go ahead and open the elements that you can have those ready. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let's eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to trust in the power of your resurrection, your abiding love, and your for for forgiveness of our sins. Set our minds on heavenly things and fill us with your joy as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is to join together in our, these words from 1 Corinthians 15. Let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Just a reminder in response to God's generosity to us, we're invited to respond with our generosity into the work of the church. And so if you'd like to give to the work, there's uh, offering plates in the back of the service. Uh, you can drop things off today or you can give through the, um, the church's website. Um, there's a way to give there. Let us now respond to God's generosity by singing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures Before receiving God's blessing, just a, a quick reminder, if you could take, make sure you take the, your communion cups uh, out with you, there's, there's trash cans by the, the door on the way out or by the welcome table. It'd be a great help to the church after us um, in this space. Thank you. Now receive God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, may our whole bodies, soul, and spirit be found blameless. He who promises is faithful and he will do it. Amen. We go in peace. <laughs>